In our first reports from COP26, Holland the Humber has been centre stage. Hygiene partner Racket assembled panels to look at cities and regions tackling climate change in partnership with business, universities, agencies and communities. Stay tuned for more from the Waterline Live with me, Jonathan Levy, connecting the Humber with COP26. Lakshman Narasimhan and the CEO of Reckitt. So tell me about your impressions of the panel that you held this morning. First of all, Reckitt as a company comes from Hull. The family Reckitt really anchored the business there and we've been deeply privileged over the last 200 or over years to actually be a central part of the community there. We've also made a big investment in Hull with our R&D centre. We have a manufacturing site in Hull. So Hull is very central to us and from Hull we have taken products and brands to the world. What this panel today was about was we recognize it as we look at the next 200 years of Hull and the development of Hull as a city, it's crucial that we get to net zero because the UK will not get to net zero without it. And what this panel showed you is it really requires collaboration. Collaboration with city government, with the university, with business, and with advisors who help business to both ensure that the light is shone on Hull, that we bring together all the resources into Hull and all the players in Hull in order to make net zero a reality. That's what this panel is about and hopefully that came across to you as well uh, in terms of this cross-collaboration that we're trying to convene. And as an international company with its important hub and roots in Hull, do you also play a role in connecting those communities as well as working with those individual communities you represent around the world? Well, there's no question that I think you saw here the mayor of Freetown coming in and part of the reason was the relationship with Freetown and, and Hull for the last uh, you know, 40 years or so. We definitely are taking best practices as we look at civic engagement around the world. But just broadly, we believe very much that hygiene is the foundation of health and that public health is very crucial for hygiene. That kind of message and how the collaboration is playing out is part of our uh, engagement with communities, with resources, with labs, with uh, government resources around the world. We're absolutely taking ideas from the various places we're in around the 190 countries we're engaged in. And we're here at COP26, you're one of the partners. What are you, as a, a major organization, looking for out of the deliberations here at COP26? COP26 is a very pivotal convening of resources from around the world, bringing them all together, by the way, for the first time at this level. As the hygiene partner, Dettol plays a very big role, Dettol from Hull plays a very big role in terms of ensuring that COP26 is safe. Beyond that, we're hoping that these conversations and the inspiration or the instigation from a variety of different resources will actually bring um, the reality to bear for our leaders to make the right commitments, to take the right set of coordinated actions to ensure we get to net zero soon because time clearly is running out. I'm current Lord Billamoria, President of the CBI and Founder and Chairman of Cobra Bear. Well, just tell me first of all about the session you've just been on, your impressions of it. We've had a fabulous session just now, chaired by my friend Lakshman, CEO of Reckitt, uh, which has been extraordinary, uh, highlighting the phenomenal potential 
uh, of the concept of clusters, uh, with Hull being used as an example of universities and business and government. So you had the leader of the council, the chancellor of the university, chief executive of one of the biggest businesses in the area, a partner of EY, big four firm that has presence in the area, and the president of CBI that is very active in the area, all together championing the region. It just shows you put that all together. Today it was focused around net zero about and climate change, but across all business, this is the concept of a cluster in action. And, and your impressions of the Humber, I mean, what they say is the world's biggest challenge could be our greatest opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at all the measurements of, at the moment of emissions, there is a huge challenge. But then if you look at the amount of progress that's been made in, for example, wind power, I mean, the UK is now held up as a world leader in wind power technology, but also in implementation of wind power. So here's something where we're leading the world. And I think we need to go further. We've got all sorts of opportunities for gigafactories. We've got opportunities of Reckitt, for example, have invested 100 million pounds in the region. They, they, their origins are in the region, so they're investing back to where they came from, which is wonderful. So if we can get more and more businesses involved, attract that inward investment, get universities and business and government collaborating together, the potential is off the charts. And you welcome the deforestation announcements have been made uh, because of the importance of biodiversity. Yes, so uh, I quoted Saparta Dasgupta's report, the famous economist at Cambridge University has come up with the report on the economics of biodiversity this year. And we talk about climate change, but we don't talk about biodiversity enough. And it is about sustainability. It is about the environment. It is about climate change. It is about biodiversity. And this commitment that we've made at this COP26 for deforestation globally is one of the biggest announcements of this conference. It's a real win. And we need to address that head on because the economics of biodiversity, you read that report, Sir David Attenborough endorsed it. Uh, and, and of course, it's a part of Dasgupta says, nature is our most precious asset. And, and we're going to save our planet by addressing this issue. And despite all the opportunities that are out there, there are many challenges for business. So here at COP26, what are you looking for, for both the UK and for businesses around the world? Yes, so we've got a commitment by countries saying they will go net zero by a certain date. And we in the UK were, I'm proud to say, right up front legislating for net zero by 2050. Many other countries have now said that. India has made the announcement at this conference that they're going to go for net zero by 2070. Okay, it may not be 2050, but there is a commitment and there is a date, which I think is terrific. So the more commitment we get on a national basis, but we're also now getting commitments by companies. So as president of CBI, one third of the largest businesses in the UK with a market capitalization of 650 billion pounds have already committed to net zero by 2050. There are companies, firms like EY, that in the middle of the pandemic earlier this year said they were going to go carbon negative in 2021 in the challenging environment of a pandemic and they've already achieved that in October. So business can lead from the front, business can lead by example and business can walk the talk. So we now need to get businesses around the world actually practicing this measuring and because what gets measured gets done. I'm Darren Hale, I'm the leader of Whole City Council. So what was it like participating in this session here today? 
I think it was um, re really, really interesting because there was so many um, great viewpoints from across the, across the um, the business, the academic, and obviously the the government sphere of influence about how we can all play our part towards the journey for net zero for the Humber region and obviously the city of Hull. Mm. So, as as a city, how big a challenge is this, and how important is it to work with partners? Well, it, it, it is a real challenge because obviously the Humber is probably the second most polluting area in the country and I think, or it, probably in Europe after the Ruhr actually, I think they said. Mm. And I think so therefore that's the scale of the challenge. But what I think it's really important is that if you are part of the problem, it's inherent on you to be very much part of the solution. So that's mm. what we want to do as both a city and a region. I think we want to ensure that we play our bit. Because along with, the, along with the potential threat of not achieving net zero, um, there's also the great opportunity that they, it would bring in terms, of the, in terms of the technology, the research, and those new green industries that would obviously provide the jobs of tomorrow for our local population. And there are some exciting projects. There's you know, offshore wind, there's hydrogen, there's carbon capture. Tens of thousands of jobs being predicted. I guess the challenge now is to ensure that people have the skills to take advantage of those jobs. Most certainly, most certainly it is. But I'm a firm believer that if you build, you know, if you build infrastructure or you build jobs and technology, people will come. And I think, in a sense, we're we're often seen um, not best geographically placed, but for this industry, for the for the for the industries of tomorrow, for offshore wind, for for, for estuarine estuarine industry. We are really in the right place, and obviously, the, um, and we can become a centre of excellence, a hub for that technology, and that will ensure that, with those jobs being based and located around the Humber and in Hull, that in a sense students can come and study, and then stay, live, work, and play in the city of Hull and the surrounding region. Yeah, I'm Tony Denker. I'm the Director General of the CBI. Right now, you commented on the cluster that's emerging in the in the Humber. How significant is that from your perspective? Look, I think what's most significant about the Humber cluster around renewable energy is not what a story it is for the UK, it's what a story it is for the world. And what we need is internationally competitive regions in the UK. And I think, you know, Exhibit A is going to be the story of the Humber uh, and the transition to net zero. And of course, not just renewables now, we're seeing hydrogen, decarbonisation, carbon capture, a whole string of interconnected industries. Yeah, look, the, the, the Humber story is a clean energy story, and it also reaches into manufacturing, it reaches into ports and infrastructure, it reaches into universities, and it will start to reach into service industries, professional services, uh, you know, and other business services that are completely feeding that cluster story. That's why it is all-inclusive for people of the Humber and people in Hull. It's going to become a story about jobs and firms and skills and the way we lead our lives. And what lessons are there for the UK and beyond? Look, I think uh, if we get it right in the Humber, what we'll have is genuine collaboration. And what I mean by that is not people that go to committee meetings together. I mean by people who feel invested and genuinely make investments of time and money to a common goal and a common ambition. And I think that potential is there for the Humber. Uh, let's make it true. Andy Burnham, Mayor of Greater Manchester. So what's your impression of this COP? I know we're only in the early days and what it needs to achieve and what you're hearing. I sense a nervousness, if I'm being honest. Um, there's a feeling of 
expectation but nervous expectation is what I sense around it's a bit jittery uh, the mood so we'll see how things develop certainly a sense of uh, the stakes being very high and a lot riding on it uh, I think we heard some good speeches this morning so maybe this uh, summit is, is finding its sort of focus but it's early days. And city city regions having so many challenges coming out of climate change whether it's doing their bit to manage emissions or whether it's being resilient. I think we're the solution and that's very much the message that I'm bringing here today. The drive to net zero will be led by cities. Cities will be the early adopters of the, the new technology. Cities will build the skills base that will be needed. So in our case Greater Manchester has a plan to be net zero by 2038. If we're backed to get there, it will make it more likely that the UK will hit 2050. So that's my message to the government. You know, back us now. Net zero and all the benefits that it will bring in terms of new industry, better public transport, will also level up the north of England with the south. So this is how the government can really make its agenda about levelling up come to life. But we're not yet feeling that they've fully bought into that. And what's your gut feel in terms of how the people from... Uh, your, your area of Greater Manchester are feeling about climate change? I think like everywhere people um, can sense that change is needed um, that um, you know, the younger generation is, is demanding it of us the question is can we get there in a way that's fair to people that's the big question or is it going to just throw costs at people that they can't afford so the big debate in our city region at the moment is public transport and the expensive uh, nature of public transport when you compare our, our transport to London, we are saying to the government, give us London level fares, £1.55 a bus journey. And if, if we can do things like that, that's how you can take people with, with you on this journey by you know, giving people homes that are cheaper to, to heat and to light or cars that cost less to run or public transport that's much cheaper. That's how I think you get people to buy into the net zero journey. And what are you hoping to see in the broader terms out of this COP? I think it's time to embrace this as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to re-industrialise the north of England in a good way. We've got the chance to bring through uh, the, 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 the green industries that are going to be, to be needed. If it's Steve Rotherham in Liverpool with a tidal barrier or green hydrogen in Greater Manchester or wind up in the northeast, the north of England could be a global leader uh, in the green economy. And now is the moment to really go for that. And um, I'm just hoping that we turn the narrative around during this COP from one being of a, a challenge or a, you know, a, a problem to one of an opportunity for the country to, as I say, become an industrial leader again and, and to do this thing that the Prime Minister says he wants to see, which is levelling up the north with the south. I'm Jenny Durkin, the Mayor of Seattle, Washington. How important is it for you to be here at COP26? You know, it is critical and uh, the Mayor of Freetown and I are both on the Climate Mayor C40. We've been working for the last year and at COP26 we really have to be what pushes the national governments to act. We've seen that really mayors through the pandemic I think helped save the world and as, as national governments have locked down and, and not been able to reach agreement over many years, some, largely because of the U.S. and, and our lack of uh, action. We've had mayors out there trying to get it done across the nation and those synergies are so critically important and that's why these relationships between mayors globally have been so important. And the challenge for port cities in particular, uh, so you're both potentially threatened by climate change 
but you've also got to do business and, and I guess with the sort of range of companies you have in Seattle, you're also working to, to resolve the, the climate crisis. It is. You know, Seattle, we have seen firsthand the changes. Uh, not only do we have the rising sea levels, but Seattle has a temperate climate. But this last summer, we had several days in a row where we were over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which never happens in Seattle. It was historical. Only about a third of our homes have air conditioning. We've also seen every day, the uh, every summer now with the wildfires, we'd have choking smoke where there were times when the air quality in Seattle was worse than Beijing. Um, and so we have a range of things that we are seeing, and but we know how to tackle it. Our greenhouse emissions come from our transportation sector and our buildings. So if we really focus on our on working there, um, we can really bring those down. Yesterday, I issued an executive order to really double down on those efforts. Um, and we've seen everything on transportation. We are get, trying to get everyone out of their vehicles, onto transit or biking, walking. Um, we gave free transit to our high school kids and yesterday announced to our, to our middle school. So everyone 12 and older will have a free transit pass. We've, been, we've invested billions in transit in the, re, in the area, light rail, buses. And then on our, our buildings, we started with new buildings a year ago where we, issue, we have passed legislation to decarbonize and say no use of carbon fuels except for very limited circumstances. And now we're, for, we're going to tackle existing buildings and put in carbon standards for people to come up to, by 2035, a new level where we can decarbonize buildings. And we have great examples of collaborations with business. We have the first ZET, um, net carbon zero emissions arena that was just opened up, Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. It's a phenomenal place, but it shows that collaborating with businesses, really focusing on what we're doing, we can get this done. It's, it's an area that does connect with nature. You've got that wonderful surrounding area there in, uh, in, in Washington uh, and the people I assume are very receptive to this message. Yes, the people of Seattle and our region are very receptive. You know, just like in the pandemic we believed in science, we still believe in science. And so we, we love our natural environments. We know that the threat of climate change is real and people are willing to make sacrifices to get it done. It doesn't mean there's not obstacles and it's not hard, but at the same time I think that we have gotten to the point where we really can focus on how we do it together. It's why this relationship between mayors globally has been so important. I'm a vice chair of the C40 mayors and we have been meeting regularly trying to figure out how do mayors while nation states don't act, how do we act together and share best practices, share challenges um, and it really has proven synergistic. Hi, I'm Carmine DeCibio, Global Chairman and CEO of EY. We all have to play our part in terms of sustainability, private sector, public sector, and individuals. And I'm happy to be here, I'm happy to really have the conversation, and frankly help facilitate us really solving the problem. And what is the greatest challenge from your perspective here? Um, honestly, it's getting everyone to work together on the issue. You know, the public sector is moving down a certain direction, the private sector is moving down a certain direction, and it would be great to get everyone together. That's why I think a conference like COP is really important because it brings together both the public sector and the private sector. Do you get the sense there's a real will to make some bold decisions? If you asked me that question even in a year and a half ago, I would have said no, but now I think there is. Uh, I think uh, most of the world has awakened to this being an issue. And you could see by some of the commitments that are being made, uh, we are all hoping that some will be more aggressive. But on the other hand, I think, you know, the ball's moving. And all your stakeholders, how central is sustainability becoming for them? 
incredibly central. Uh, we, we do a lot of work across all our businesses uh, and sustainability is part of our audit business because we want to assure people in terms of what they're saying. It's part of our tax business around incentives and so forth. Obviously it's part of our consulting practice with our supply chain uh, consulting practice. Uh, and it's around our transactions practice and our strategy practice as well. We want to make sure that companies embed what they're doing with sustainability into their strategy. It has to be a long-term play. This cannot be just about reporting things. It has to be about embedding everything they do. Thanks to all our guests, and we'll have more voices from COP26 in the next edition of The Waterline Live. I'm Jonathan Levy. Thanks for listening.